This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Well, yesterday we were making bust cases for Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. It was a little bit uncomfortable today, more in our comfort zone, because we're going through uh, picks 9 through 16 in ADP. This is what they were last year in full PPR. Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Julio Jones, Kenyon Drake, and Tyreek Hill. Five and a half busts, I'm going to say. Five and a half busts in that group. Uh, So hopefully this year it's going to be a little bit better. It's Barkley, Tyreek Hill, Chubb, Adams, Diggs, Aaron Jones, Gibson, and Harris. That's what it looks like right now on NFC over the last month. Welcome to the show. Adam Azer with Chris Towers and Heath Cummings. Hey, guys. Hi, Adam. I I think I could make an impassioned bust case for like three to four of these guys. There's also two to three of them that I think should be drafted higher than they're being drafted right now. So it'll be uh, be a a fun discussion. Yeah, there are some guys here who I probably won't draft. There's one guy in particular that there's basically no chance I'm going to draft him in any leagues this year. And I also can't really make a bust case against him. So that's hmm, fine. That we'll see. Maybe you should draft him then. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you should. I don't think I should. I think I know who he's talking about. All right, who has the most bust potential in this group of eight? Barkley, Tyreek Hill, Chubb, Adams, Diggs, Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, and Najee Harris. It's Barkley by a long shot, I think. What, what could go Saquon, wrong? Saquon Bustley. <laughs> but if we're, I mean, we always, we typically like to not include injury risk in these kind of discussions. And so I guess outside of him, it's Gibson or Harris. Yeah, I, the thing with Saquon, and I've I've written these words like 17 times in the last month. I've got them well rehearsed. I've probably said them here multiple times. But like, there's downside in almost every aspect of his game. Because to have the top three or four upside that we want, he needs to have elite efficiency as a rusher. He needs to have a big role in the passing game. And he needs to score touchdowns. But define, or at least two de- of those three. Define big role in the passing game. Well, um, Jason Garrett. Or just yeah. big. Or just define big, if you just want. Much, much bigger than he's had with Daniel Jones. Because I think his 16-game pace in the games that he's played with Daniel Jones is like 60 targets or 55 targets or something. It's really low. J- Jason Garrett has averaged about 90 targets to running backs over the past three seasons. Those are two Zeke seasons and last year. Um, there was the one good Zeke, receiver. right? And that's factored into that. It's one of those catch season or whatever it was. One of the three seasons he went over 100 targets. Um, if you assume he's going to get around 75 percent of the targets for, for running backs, which I think is a little higher than you should project at this point, um, that would put him around 70 targets. He's caught about 70% of his passes from Daniel Jones, which is pretty bad for a running back, but it's probably a Daniel Jones stat and not a Saquon Barkley stat. Um, that would put him right at 50 catches. He'll get 50. If he's 50 catches, 400 receiving yards, and scores two or three touchdowns through the air, then he has to be a monster on the ground to have top five upside. Why? The numbers with Daniel Jones aren't quite as bad as I thought, by the way. It's yeah. 60, a 16 game pace is 64 catches, 584 yards, three touchdowns. But 
when we talk about him having Christian McCaffrey upside, we're talking about the 19 games he's played without Daniel Jones, where he's been on pace for 115 targets and 85. Games. Yeah, I, I okay. We shouldn't be talking about anyone having McCaffrey upside, right? No, he McCaffrey's into his own world. Uh, Barkley, he was better than McCaffrey in 20, 2018. Yeah, 2019. He, he was. Uh, they were basically tied, but he. Um, but I don't think I just don't think you should approach it that way. I don't think anyone's sure. approaching it that way. Uh, he left two games early with Daniel Jones, right? So that's that factor that hurts his pace. And I've talked about this after his first eight games of his career. Uh, they stopped using him like that, even with Eli Manning. So you shouldn't expect 80 catches from Saquon Barkley. His first eight games of his career, he was on pace for like 110 catches. After that, it hasn't, he hasn't really been that. 50, 60 catches with 400 yards and two touchdowns. Well, that's great. I'd be very happy with that. That's top five worthy. That that would get it, you know probably probably can be top five worthy. But if we're talking about, you know, it's kind of like the Nick Chubb thing where I you know Nick Chubb's the guy who I probably won't draft even though I can't really make a bus case against him. It's it's more about the fact that it's just harder to see that twenty two plus point per game upside. You know, the, the, the legitimate difference makers. When you talk about, like, the very best every year are usually in that 21 to 25, if you're Christian McCaffrey, 30 point per game upside. Um, it's harder to get Barkley there if he's a 60 catch guy. Well, and that that's the that was only that's only part of the equation for me. I mean, I think the combination of Jones and Garrett limits the receiving upside a little bit for me. The other thing that limits that is the fact they went and added Kenny Galladay. Yeah. Um, so... And then you look at the rushing. He averaged, what, five yards per carry as a rookie. He's averaged 4.4 yards per carry since. This is not a good offensive line. I don't really know that you should expect him to average much more than four and a half yards per carry, if that. And we expect he's going to share the rushing workload at least early in the season with Devontae Booker. And we don't think this offense is going to score that many touchdowns. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of working against Saquon Barkley. All right, so, so like, he's the he's yeah. the obvious pick for the most bust potential, and he's probably not going first in this group now. This ADP is a month old, but Joe Judge did say he's making progress. There are going to be a lot of Barkley believers out there. I mean, I see it in the comments. I see it in the emails. You know, you're too low on Saquon Barkley. I think people recognize the talent, but we don't know what he's going to be like coming off this very serious knee injury. And um, we'll keep track of. He's going to be an interesting one to track. He could get he could get as high as I would say fifth, sixth, or he could fall out of the first round. Um, okay, uh, so all right, we'll continue that discussion in a bit. We got some news and notes for you. We also have uh, a mock draft tonight on YouTube. YouTube.com/slash/fantasyfootball today. We'll see you there at 7 p.m. Eastern. We've got a value-based drafting episode tomorrow. We're putting Heath to work to uh, help us explain it, give us some examples of how you could use value-based drafting to uh, get a leg up. And most importantly, today we're kicking off the draft prepping for charity month supporting St. Jude. Throughout the month, we are having various eBay auctions supporting St. Jude, culminating in our Draft-a-thon event on September 1st. So to start the month of August, everything in the eBay store right now is listed at $50. Uh, the Zoom calls with our experts, the team grades, the mock draft strategy reviews, custom smack talk videos. Those are always fun. Uh, I'm going to put the link to the items in the episode description. But this is an opportunity to get to give, first of all, to St. Jude and to get something back, get some fantasy advice, get some interaction with uh, our experts, those types of things. We are really looking forward to raising a ton of money this year. 
Okay, guys, Carson Wentz is going to have foot surgery. He's out 5 to 12 weeks. It's Monday afternoon right now. We talked about this on the Monday morning show. But for the Tuesday audience, uh, Chris and Heath, your thoughts on the Colts situation and really Jonathan Taylor. So right now, Jonathan Taylor or Saquon Barkley? Hmm. Barkley. Barkley was my my stopper. Like that was the point where I was able to stop dropping uh, Jonathan Taylor in both formats. So I have both Barkley and Taylor in round two in full PPR now. And uh, Taylor, Taylor ahead of Barkley in both. This is a um, unusually wide hmm. potential range of outcomes for Carson Wentz and as a result, the Colts offense, because if it's five weeks, he's back in week one. And, you know, generally speaking, there's no concerns. I mean, it's a foot injury, so there's always the concern, the risk of a setback. But if he's back by week one, we just we operate as as we were before. If it's 12 weeks, you're talking about potentially November. Like you're potentially talking about missing the first two months of the season. And so the worst thing, it, you would re- almost rather it be 12 weeks than five to 12 weeks. Just because, at least for me, uncertainty is worse than just outright bad news. Because at least with bad news, you know how to pr- you move forward. You could say, well... I can't take Jonathan Taylor in the first round. This might be one of the worst offenses in the NFL for the first seven month, weeks. If it's, I mean, if it's <laughs> Jacob Eason starting, I believe before they signed Brett Hundley, Zach, Hun- uh, Zach Pascal had more pass attempts than all of the quarterbacks on the roster combined besides Carson Wentz. Um, so I would almost rather get that confirmed bad news than have to try to figure out how to value Jonathan Taylor with this hanging over him. Because I think he'll still be good but I think it's more like a high-end number two as long as Wentz is out. Okay, and uh, you already heard from Heath in full PPR. He's got him in the in the second round, Jonathan Taylor. What about in the in half PPR? Probably the be- twelve, the best form approximately. Okay, half PPR. Would you take Eckler or Taylor? Mm. Check check the old projections. <laughs> I was going to say, it's pretty easily Eckler for me in full PPR. In half PPR, I have them like tied to the tenth of a decimal point in full season fantasy points. I'll go with Eckler. Okay. Uh, I have Eckler five points ahead, so clearly it's obviously um, Eckler. Landslide. Uh, Devontae Smith out two to three weeks with a sprained MCL. Jalen Rager has also missed time in camp, and it's been an uneven camp for uh, for the quarterback, for Jalen Hurts. So, Chris, what do you think about the Eagles right now? Are you dropping Jalen Hurts in your rankings? Uh, not much. It, it's not like that would be worse than what they had last season. You know, if anything, having a healthy Dallas Goddard and Zach Hurts probably makes it at least a wash if Devontae Smith isn't able to play. Rager, I don't actually think he's dealing with an injury. I think the situation with him is he had something happen off the field and he wasn't yeah, able to, yeah. he wasn't physically or mentally ready to pass the conditioning test is the way it's been termed. So yeah, I think he, he had might a, be someone fine. close to him passed. Yeah. So he might be, you know, okay, you know, and cleared to play soon, but it's certainly a concern for Devonte Smith. You know, anytime a rookie's missing key parts of training camp, um, it can be hard to, you know, we saw it with Jalen Rager. It's hard to know what, impact the injuries that he suffered last season 
had, but he had a shoulder injury in training camp and then that thumb injury in week two. It makes it really hard to get off to a good start, and this might make it less likely that you can rely on Devontae Smith in that you know, wide receiver three, wide receiver four conversation to start the season. Yeah, I I, uh, I dropped Smith just right around 50 in uh, PPR, um, right one spot behind Terrace Marshall, who's uh, had the opposite, a very good start to camp. Mm, okay. Yeah, talking about him playing, uh, potentially being a full-time slot in Carolina. Uh, Lamar Jackson won't be back until Friday at the earliest. He's on the COVID list. Kirk Cousins is also on the COVID list. And more bad news for the Baltimore Ravens. Marquise Brown has a hamstring injury. No, t- uh, no timeline for his return. Rashad Bateman, I think, has muscle tightness. That doesn't seem as serious as what Marquise Brown is dealing with right now. But again, now this is on the heels of a report about Sammy Watkins having the best camp. So, uh, you know, Heath, your thoughts on the Ravens? What passing game right now? I don't want to draft anyone except for Lamar Jackson. I wonder... Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. Well, yes. They were trying to make some changes um, this offseason and throwing the ball more and and being more aggressive with the passing game. And it's obviously not good to miss this much time with your quarterback and your top two wide receivers, not your top two pass catchers. Uh, Mark Andrews is still a pretty easy fourth-round pick for me. Uh, I like Mark... He's Brown slightly more than Bateman right now. But if Bateman got back in a couple of days and started getting good reports and Brown misses a couple of weeks, that could change. I haven't dropped Lamar Jackson at all yet. Yeah, I've got both Bateman and Brown in the 50 to 60 range. So, you know, I'm not particularly enthusiastic about either um, before all this. So we're still basically six weeks away from the season. So there's a lot of time for these guys to get back. And a popular name in dynasty circles and somebody that I've seen questions about, Kylan Granson for the Colts, rookie tight end. He's having a good camp. It's been a lot of buzz on him. They obviously need a tight end. We don't expect much from rookie tight ends. They need a tight end to step up. We don't expect much from rookies, and now it's even harder to buy into the Colts passing game. But Kylan Granson having a pretty good camp, according to NFL Network's Albert Breer, and there's just been some buzz around him, so it's a name to know. Another name to know is Lightstream, okay? If you're like most of us, you carry a balance on your credit cards. And if those cards come with high interest rates, you need my friends at Lightstream. Go to lightstream.com slash FFT for a special offer right now. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash FFT. So what you got to do is lower your interest rate. And if you have good credit, Lightstream makes this very easy for you to do. You get a credit card consolidation loan. The rates start at 5.93% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. So Lightstream basically believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. That's exactly what they deliver. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000. There are no fees, absolutely no fees, and you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. It gets even better if you're listening to this podcast. Not only are you going to win your fantasy league, you're going to get a great offer, on lightstream.com slash FFT. Apply now to get a special interest rate discount to save even more. The only way to get it is at L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash FFT. Lightstream.com slash FFT. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 5.93% APR to 19.99% APR and include a 0.5% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash FFT for more information. Well, Lightstream's not a bust, but everyone else is a bust this week. All right, everyone is a bust part two, picks nine through 16. 
So Saquon Barkley is first up. We covered him extensively. Is there anything else? Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll play a little counter. I'll, I'll be pro Barkley. You know, I like being. <coughs> I know you're uncomfortable uh, with. I this, like. But, uh, I'll try my best. Um, there's uh, yeah, it's just a good in terms of Jason Garrett. It's a good offensive coordinator for running backs. He likes to punch it in near the goal line. So we saw a stretch. <laughs> what did I hold on? This is a good stat. I, I think Giants running backs had 22 carries inside the 10 last year, and Giants quarterbacks had 26 pass attempts inside the 10. So, like, like well, well, I mean, it's just that's very balanced, and, and they don't throw a lot there. They run a lot. Ezekiel Elliott's been a good touchdown producer. So, yeah, that's we saw it with uh, with Wayne Gallman. So right, yeah, Wayne Gallman had that five game stretch with six touchdowns right. in in five games. Yeah, um, so that could compensate for the potentially bad offense. They were horrible last year, but they were like 18th, 19th the two years before that. I guess the thing we didn't really get into, Heath touched on it briefly at the top, but what if he's just not Saquon Barkley? Like that's also it's not like Heath said at the top. It's it's risk stacked on risk stacked on risk. It's one, is he healthy and can he stay healthy? Two, can he perform like he was before he was healthy? I'm starting to have real concerns about that. And then three, is this an offense that's good enough to make him an elite running back? I, I think you have significant questions about all three at this point. And I just, like, I don't want to say Jason Garrett's offenses are not good for running backs, but... They've running backs have averaged 12 total touchdowns per year the past three seasons combined in Jason Garrett's offenses. That's rush plus receiving touchdowns. That's not, That's not a good. very good number. No. And part of that for two years, I mean, it's two years of Dak scoring six rushing touchdowns, and then it's last year of just the Giants being awful. Yeah, but I but, guess I guess at least the running back receiving touchdowns are two, three, and two over the past three seasons. The I, I rushing touchdowns least, are 10, seven, and 12. If he had, if they had 12 touchdowns, I would think Barkley would probably get 10 of them. You know? I don't right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, man, it's, God, this offense was impossibly. Like, I knew it was bad, <laughs> but then, like, when you actually, like, look at it again, you see they had 12 touchdowns passing. And thirty three thousand yards. Yeah, horrible. That's impossible. Yeah. Well, and you look at how many more points and yards the Cowboys started producing as soon as Kellen Moore took over as offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, but you know the Giants—they're not going to have a great offense, but they were a lot better in twenty nineteen. And Daniel Jones was the quarterback for most of those games. I think they were nineteenth yeah. in scoring that year. Yeah, I mean, the problem 18. with the Daniel Jones thing is like he just has to get better, and that's unknowable right now. He could. But in his two seasons as a starter, they've basically had like five good offensive games. Yeah. Remember, he had what, the four games with, was it four games with four touchdowns as a rookie? Mm-hmm. And outside of that, he was pretty terrible. And last season, obviously, uh, very bad. So. It's just, it's hard to get optimistic about this offense. I think Kenny Galladay helps, but it's, I think you, we kind of want to make the Stefan Diggs comparison. Kenny Gall is a very, very different type of receiver than Stefan Diggs. And that's not necessarily a knock against Kenny Galladay. I think Stefan Diggs has proven he's one of the five or eight best wide receivers in the NFL. But Galladay's not that 
true number one alpha wide receiver. He's a guy who can stretch the field, make big plays, but you know, he's more like a one a, and I'm not sure they have a one B. Yeah. So I, I mean, I talked about this with Jonathan Taylor, can an off, can a running back be great for fantasy top five for fantasy on a bad offense? And the simplest answer is yes. If they're involved in the passing game, at least in full PPR and Taylor, that's a big question mark. And we talked about it already with Barkley. You know what? I think we've covered Barkley enough. Let's go to Tyreek Hill. So he is 10th in ADP. Somebody make a bust case for Tyreek Hill. I am glad that we spent so much time on Saquon Barkley because I cannot imagine that we're going to be able to come up with very many scenarios. And we, I mean, there's obviously the injury to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, there's unfortunately a probably a greater suspension chance. Um, but than most players, than most players, but it still really seems really pretty low. Um, yeah. I, I can't like I you I could make an argument that him being drafted as the number one wide receiver, he could finish as the number six wide receiver, yeah. and then maybe you say he's a bust because that happened. Like he has some bad touchdown variants this year, and misses a game or two. And like, but I don't know. Yeah, I think. <laughs> The case against drafting him as the number one wide receiver is Devontae Adams is better. And because of his style of play, because he's a relatively low target guy for a number one wide receiver, and because he's a relatively low catch rate guy for a number one wide receiver, um, he's prone to more variance, both week to week and um, season to season than someone like Devontae Adams or we assume DeAndre Hopkins when he doesn't have terrible quarterback play. But it's hard to make that case. You know, he he's like he said, I think the floor is really, really high because of that offense, because of his place in it. Yeah. He, the concern is maybe that he just doesn't have that. Like he's probably not going to have the kind of season Devonte Adams had last season. That's probably off the table. Yeah. He's a, he's a low catch guy for, for the elite wide receivers. He's never had 90, his uh, 16 game pace, highest 16 game pace, I think was 93 catches. And that's, Almost never going to get it, going to get you uh, number one wide receiver in full PPR. There's just going to be too many guys who have like 105 or more per 16 yeah. games, but it could, could get you number two. <laughs> we saw that. Yeah. Well, and like the the thing is, it's if you're going to be a guy who is a lower target guy than average, it would be nice if you were arguably the most efficient wide receiver in NFL history. Yeah. And that's basically what he is. If you want to count, for, set a set a threshold at like 500 targets for a career, he's 9.8 yards per target and scores once every eight targets. Nobody nobody does that. He had uh, almost 40 percent of Mahomes' touchdowns last season. So you know he had 15 he's, receiving. He's not going to be as good as he was last season. Yeah. Uh, it, okay. You know what? <laughs> it is funny because last year. He was at 87, 12, 76, and 15. His three-year, 16-game pace is 86, 13, 45, and 13. That was 15 games he did in last year. Right. Oh, that's including last season. Okay, his three years before that were 82, 1,310. Yeah, there was a a leap from 2017 to 2018, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that was when Mahomes took over. All right, Tyreek Hill's awesome, and especially in non-PPR. I mean, you talk about safe in non-PPR when the catches don't matter. Uh, he's just tremendous. He's a touchdown producer. Okay, next up is Nick Chubb. 
So Chris was talking, alluding to a running back who he is probably not going to draft, but he thinks it doesn't can't really make a bust case for. But I find that interesting because I think you can easily make a bust case for Nick Chubb. He might have 15 catches this year, you know, 20. Eh, that's low. Uh, 20 catches, I know, that's that's not good in PPR, and it would come down to touchdowns. But what did you mean when what you uh, when you said that about Chubb earlier? Like, there's no there's no outcome in which Nick Chubb stays healthy, and he's not at least a high end number two running back. I think he's just he's gonna get too much work. They're gonna rely too heavily on him. Um, but like a, a stat that I I posted in our Slack channel the other day. Uh, over the last two seasons, Deontay Johnson has as many games with 20-plus PPR points as Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb kind of lives in the 15 to 20 range a lot of the time, and that's really, really good. I think he has a high weekly floor because of the role that he has. He's going to have a high seasonal floor because of the touchdowns, but you know that's that's different from saying he has you know number one upside potential, which I don't think he has. But I just... It's hard to see how the season goes too wrong. Like, what is, what does a realistic worst case scenario for Nick Chubb look like, assuming health? Well, I think you can start with. um, Do you you remember how? And he was unlucky for part of it, but his final six games of 2019 after Kareem Hunt joined the team, um, that was probably his worst stretch, other than like before he became a starter. And he was on pace for about 1,288 rushing yards, and he's on pace for five touchdowns over a 16-game season. Yeah. Uh, but still, that's almost 1,300 yards rushing. Uh, yeah, and 22 catches he was on pace for in those games. Hunt had a bigger role in the passing game. I mean, he was on pace for 74 catches in those games. That's why we thought Hunt would be, I think, more involved in the passing game last year than he was. But, uh, it, but it's not like last year Hunt was less involved and Chubb was more involved. Chubb has one game since Kareem Hunt joined the team with more than three targets. Yeah, And I well, think that, I think that was had, the game where all the receivers had COVID. He had four and five in the two playoff games last season as well. Um, but yeah, like it just, I think with this class of running back, and I would throw Derrick Henry, I would throw Josh Jacobs, I would throw J.K. Dobbins in there, all in various levels of, of greatness. Um, the The argument for them is just that there just aren't that many ways they can go wrong. Like Heath, what you said, his worst stretch was after Kareem Hunt's joined the team, and it was still 1,300 yards, and it was only five touchdown pace, you said? Yeah, he only scored two touchdowns in six games. Yeah, like, I guess he could have a five-touchdown season, but it's hard to see Nick Chubb getting 250 carries and scoring five touchdowns. That that doesn't just seem like a worst-case scenario. That seems well below the worst-case scenario. So... It's just because he's he's going to get those 15 carries plus every week. It's hard for things to go too wrong. That um, being said, like his ADP is currently 12th, I think. 11th. And I think in PPR, the most li- likely outcome, like if we're if is that he's not a top 10 running back. Yeah. Oh. And so if you're taking a non-top 10 running back, 11th. It's kind of a bust. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say this. Uh, since Kareem Hunt's arrival, okay, a year and a half ago, basically, a season and a half ago, he's averaged 19 carries per game in wins. This is Nick Chubb, not Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb has averaged, averaged 19 carries per game in wins and 14 carries per game in losses. So that, that 
brings up a little downside. We all expect the Ravens to be or the Browns to be really good, but if what if they're not? You know, that's that's something yeah. to consider. Okay. He has been uh he's super safe in non PPR, but you're not gonna get a ton of catches, so uh, he's such a great player, but yeah, he's an interesting you know, when player. I talk about that class of players, it's something I said before the podcast, but um, Derek Henry last season had basically the best rushing season, uh, a, a, really a, the best rushing season a running back could have in the fifth most rushing yards ever. And he had the fourth most rush touchdowns in a season over the last 10 years. It's hard to realistically have a better season than Derek Henry. had, And he was also awesome, number three running back. It was the 32nd best running back season uh, in PPR points per game over the last decade. That's amazing. That is. Yep. When you're talking about like that is the very, very, very best version of what a Nick Chubb, a Derrick Henry, a J.K. Dobbins, a Josh Jacobs can do. I think that highlights what should be the case against them, which is that you need things to go incredibly, incredibly right for them to be truly elite fantasy running backs. And if I'm drafting at the one-two turn, I'm not satisfied with someone who I think probably has like top eight upside. I want someone who could realistically break into that top three. This is strictly for full PPR. Obviously, he's got sure, sure, bigger or upside. even half PPR. I think that's it's mostly relevant. But yeah, non PPR, it's it's certainly different. Yeah, well, we should all play half PPR. Okay, Devontae Adams is next. If you thought Tyreek Hill was tough, uh, first of all, Devontae Adams is probably not going behind Tyreek Hill anymore. Now that Adam, now that Aaron Rodgers is back, uh, he'd be better if he were Adam Rodgers personally. But I think, but um, this is a tough bus case to make. Anybody want to give it a shot with Devontae Adams? Uh, he is really, really reliant on volume in a way that some of the other elite run, wide receivers aren't. He's usually in the eight yards per target uh, range. Last season he was at nine point two. So if he returns to the eight yards per target range. And let's say the Packers only throw the ball to him nine times a game instead of 11. You can probably see a scenario where, you know, if there's some bad touchdown regression, maybe he has 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns on 90 catches, and he's just like a good RB or wide receiver, too. Oh, that's, that's probably awful. the downside. <laughs> I don't know how that's good. That would but be that's really still bad. a must start player. Yeah. Um, and that's with everything going against him. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's a worst-case scenario then. Um, yeah, look, they added Amari Rodgers. They brought back Randall Cobb. Maybe the other young receivers take a step forward. Is target share even a little bit of a concern, Heath? Not really. Like, it, it could drop, but it could drop by three points, and he still might lead the league in yeah. target rates. Um, like I think what would have to happen is the Packers defense plays really well. They go more run heavy and he sees a drop in target share because Amari Rogers is as good as you think he is, Adam no. and Randall Cobb provides a security blanket. And so the target share falls to 28% and they have one of those weird years where they go 15 and two and only throw 520 passes and he has poor touchdown luck. Going fifteen and two would be a weird year. What? It's well, it's going to happen. Some, you know, seventeen games now. Well, uh, two thousand nineteen was not a good year for Devontae Adams. He did miss some time, but even per game, I'm not sure if he cracked the top five or so, <laughs> which was terrible, right? But Aaron Rodgers threw for four thousand yards and twenty six touchdowns. 
He was number five in points per game, okay. 17.7. His with, pace in 2019 was actually pretty damn stellar, except for the touchdowns. It was 170 targets, 111 catches, 1,329 yards, and seven touchdowns. Uh, that's a really good year, except the touchdowns were low. So I guess that's the thing. Like Aaron Rodgers had this massive touchdown season last year. He had 48, and he had a combined 51 in the two previous seasons. Both were full seasons. So if if I guess that's it, right? I mean, if the touchdowns go down to 25 for Aaron Rodgers, or I guess give him a couple more for 17 games. But Devontae Adams had 13 touchdowns when Aaron Rodgers had 25 in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He's great. Let's move on. Next one here. By the way, I, uh, would you take Rodgers or Kelsey? Oh, uh, Adams or Kelsey, you mean? Sorry. Amari Rodgers or Travis Kelsey? <laughs> Adams or Kelsey? I would take Kelsey, but I think they're, they're top six picks now. I think they should I, be top six overall picks in PPR. I would take Adams. Would you take Zeke or Adams? Zeke. Zeke, okay. All right, Stefan yeah. Diggs is up. Stefan Diggs' ADP is 13th, and he was obviously tremendous last year. He led the NFL in receiving. Who's making the bus case against Stefan Diggs? This one's at least easier than Adams or Hill. Um, you could see some, like we all expect at least a little bit of regression, regression in terms of passing efficiency from Josh Allen. And so it wouldn't be all that surprising if Stefan Diggs, who caught 77% of his targets last year, only caught, say, 67, 68%, like he had the three years prior. And if his yards per target dropped a little bit from the 9.2 it was at last year, it's, and he's never, like, he's had one year where he had a really, two, I guess, two years where he had a really good touchdown rate. Um, so it's, it's not hard for me to see Stefan Diggs having a season where he's a, a number two wide receiver instead of a top three guy. Yeah. I, I think that the downside with him is just that Josh Allen regresses in a big way, which doesn't seem likely given how good he was last season. But like if Josh Allen does drop from being one of the three best passers in the NFL, like he was last season to like 15 to 18, given that it seems like Emmanuel Sanders is going to have a pretty healthy role we expect more of Gabriel Davis this season. Cole Beasley obviously has been a, a high target share guy for number two slash number three. You could see a, a scenario where he drops to like 140 targets and ends up with a thousand yards and six touchdowns. Like that, that seems reasonable. And, but. and I will, yeah, like, I don't think we should discount the possibility. Like, I'm not projecting it. Josh Allen's my number three quarterback. Yeah. I think he's going to be very, very good for fantasy. But I have a lot of people on Twitter who seem to think that because Josh Allen made that leap in year three, he's just that good now. And we've seen multiple quarterbacks over the last five years have a an outlier year in year two, three, or four, and then just be flat out bad two or three years later. Jared and Goff and Carson Wentz are Mitch the first kind of mind. had his, his leap. Uh, Blake Bortles had the one good statistical season. I think Josh Allen's obviously better than most of those guys, but yeah, you talk about the weird circumstances last year too. We should throw that in there that it was a historic year for passing offense in a way that's likely not sustainable all the way around. And so maybe it was the case that a 
guy who can be sort of scattershot and sort of erratic like Josh Allen benefited more. Don't worry, Heath. Chris Ugh, Towers. Chris said Towers that. said that. Bill's Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, a guy who, in his career, has been scattershot and erratic, which I don't think even the most diehard dive through a table Bills fan can disagree with if they're being honest with themselves. Um, that that kind of player could benefit more from a season where defenses had less time to practice, less time to prepare in the preseason and training camp, less time to go over things on film in person. I mean, th- these are things that could really, you know, I think we saw ben- benefited offenses last year. And so maybe there it's the case that Josh Allen just particularly benefited because of his style of play, which makes him a little harder to game plan for. All right, well, so far, you know, we've talked about a couple of running backs, three wide receivers, and the running backs have had the much easier bus cases to make, Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb, compared to the top three wide receivers. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs. And the next three are all running backs. So Aaron Jones is next. And Aaron Jones, again, I, I don't think you're going to get him 13th or 14th overall. I think that this ADP is old enough where we didn't. there was uncertainty about Aaron Rodgers. So I'll take a look. I'll, I'll just see what it is in the last week. But Aaron Jones, yeah, what is there a bus case for a guy who's been a top five running back two years in a row, but hasn't really had the workload that a lot of the top five running? He's not a workhorse, you know? Um, so is there a bus case to be made, a convincing one on Aaron Jones? Not in round two. No, he's not going to go in round two. I mean, you, I mean, you might have to take him eighth overall, something like that. I think the case would probably be that among the the running backs in this range, he's got the lowest ceiling uh, in terms of rushing yards and probably the lowest floor. I, I guess maybe Antonio Gibson, you can make a case just because he's so unproven. You can make the same case for Najee Harris. But among the first round running backs, there aren't a lot of guys who could realistically have an under 1,000 yard season without an injury. And I, I could see that happening with Aaron Jones. You know, I could see rushing yards. You mean? Yeah, yeah I could see AJ Dillon taking on a couple extra carries. AJ Aaron Jones dropping to like 13 carries per game, and then him going back to 2019 efficiency where he was 4.6 yards per carry. And that would probably be, you know, enough to get him under a thousand yards for a full se- rushing yards for a full season. Maybe he has last year's touchdown efficiency instead of 2019's. Um, but like all that, I think that's all possible. Um, but that's leaving out the one thing that I think is likely to be much better for him this year. Yeah, the receiving. And that's the passing game. Yeah. Yeah. But he had uh we had nine rushing touchdowns in 14 games. That's it? Yeah. I feel like he had more than I felt like eleven total touchdowns in fourteen. Yeah. It was it was low after nineteen and in sixteen the, games. The past just- three years, the Packers have had fifty percent. I did re- reference those twelve running back touchdowns for Jason Garrett offenses. The Packers offense has averaged 18 running back touchdowns over. And there's a chance maybe Dylan gets half those. Yeah. That would be a problem for Aaron Jones. But I think it's just so unlikely that we're going to see those 50 targets or 60 targets on a 16 game pace go AJ Dylan's way. I don't, I think he probably gets half that, which should mean an extra two to three targets per game for Aaron Jones, which should cover up any real risk that he loses in the running game. I guess it's just, it's not inconceivable that. AJ Dillon is just so good. Like he is Derrick Henry good. And he just demands 16 carries per game. And, you know, maybe that's possible. I think that's probably the downside risk for Aaron Jones is 
what if, and I don't think this is likely, but what if he's not the best running back in his own backfield and he gets into a 50-50 split? Well, that's a good thing about Jones. I mean, he's not just a product of the offense. He's awesome. You know, he's proven that. He's a great player. It's yeah. going to be hard for Dylan to unseat him. It's it's hard to make a bus case against him, especially if you get him in the second round. Looking at ADP since July 30th, so not even a week, he is 12, He's 11th. He's ahead of Chubb and Barkley. And Devontae Adams is the first wide receiver off the board, so it's been adjusted a little bit. It's That should be the case. Yeah, yeah Adams is 8, then Hill, then Kelsey is 10, then Aaron Jones. He's RB8. Still Eckler and Jonathan Taylor going ahead of him, but Taylor, you know, that... Still don't know where his ADP is going to settle in. Yeah. So would you guys take Eckler or Aaron Jones? I would go Eckler. I would go Jones, but I've got like I've had Jones as a top five running back all summer, so I'm not. I'm I'm leaving there. Obviously. Okay, I can't wait for this one, Antonio Gibson. I, I mean, I'm just surprised that he's going as early as he is. Top 16 pick, 15th ADP, 15th and ADP. Uh, make a bus case for Antonio Gibson. J.D. McKissick, I was going to say J.D. McKissick stays involved in the offense and Ryan Fitzpatrick throws the ball downfield like we expect him to and Gibson has touchdown regression from last year like we all expect him to. Yeah, and I think there's also just a chance like he he walked onto an NFL field and averaged 4.7 yards per carry, which isn't like, it's not what J.K. Dobbins did last season, but it's pretty good in a way that may not be entirely sustainable. You know, he... He definitely had some stretches where his efficiency waned, even you know when he got more work. And so, it's possible. Like this wasn't a, a can't miss running back prospect. He's really good. Wasn't even a running back. <laughs> well, yeah, and a lot of the things we liked about him were the the fact that he was a really good receiving prospect. And so, what if he's just a guy as a rusher? What if he averages you know four point two yards per carry, which is well within the realm of possibility? and doesn't dominate goal line work like he did last season. Maybe they're just more effective as a passing team, and they don't need to rely on him near the goal line as much. Um, you know, we're talking about 170 carries here at the NFL level with a 4.7 yards per attempt. That's really good, but yeah, it's a very small sample size, and there's still a lot of different ways it can go. I think the bust potential for Antonio Gibson is just, what if he's not as good as he looked like last year? You know, there, there well, were definitely the moments where he looked great, and there were also definitely moments where, you know, he was a, a small part of the offense. He couldn't get JD McKissick off the field even before Alex Smith took over. Yeah, he um, beat up on Dallas and Cincinnati. I mean, this is what I said. You know, his his best games were against these horrible teams. He's going to face bad run defenses, yeah. but I don't want him to be just a matchups guy because he doesn't have this role in the passing game because McKissick is there. And you know, I, there are a couple of names that come to mind, and Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard averaged 5.2 yards per carry as a rookie and never even came close to that after that. Jeremy Hill averaged 5.1 yards per carry as a rookie, never averaged more than 3.8 for the rest of his career except for four carries in 2018. Um, those were guys that people were very excited about as year two players. And Howard kind of lived up to his draft position because he got so much work, but yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't a great running back. And I think the thing I'm, that I'm, makes I'm those... worried about that with Gibson a little bit, you know, and and nobody else seems to be, you know. I I'm cra- I thought for sure Mixon should be going ahead of Gibson, but when I did my Twitter poll was almost 50-50. Gibson had a slight edge. People really people hate Joe Mixon for letting <laughs> for what he did to them last it's year. It's so and, and it's so like, personal with Mixon. It's so and 
look, I get it. Like I get not liking him, but as far as what he is as a football player and what he is as a fantasy option, like he's never had the opportunity. Like this is like, Oh, he's burned us too many times. And it's like, yeah, he burned you because he was a guy who had a 50 target ceiling and you were drafting him as if he had number one overall upside. This is the first time in Joe Mixon's career where he legitimately has number one overall running back upside. I guess you can make a case that Antonio Gibson does too, but Antonio Gibson isn't nearly as proven as a rusher as Joe Mixon. And it's not a guarantee that he's going to have a bigger role in the passing game than Joe Mixon. In fact, I'm projecting him for 18 fewer targets than Joe Mixon. I, um, I was really struggling when I was finishing up the running back preview this morning. Like I needed to have a fourth bust and I went back and forth over and over between Gibson and I think who was definitely in the second round of CBS drafts and Clyde Edwards Alaire. And I ended up choosing Clyde just because the argument felt a little bit more a little bit more uh, convincing. But I think either of those guys could be. But isn't the argument basically just that you think Clyde Edwards Alaire is a worse player? Yeah. Taking on the, taking them taking the talent out of it. Edwards Alaire is in a better situation. I don't I don't know that there are as many running back opportunities available to him as there are in a Ron Rivera um Scott Turner offense. Like that that was the McCaffrey role. And then last year Gibson and McKissick had a bazillion touches. Yeah, so, Alex Smith kind of throws it off just because we don't yes. know what that offense would have looked like if they had I don't and, want to be mean, but a quarterback who was willing to throw the ball more than five yards. And Alex Smith was part of the reason that running back saw so many targets in the Andy Reid offense early in Kansas City. Yeah. Like yeah, there's a connection right, there. Right, right. That hasn't happened since Mahomes took over. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right, last one is Najee Harris. Is the bus case for Najee Harris just the offensive line? Is that the only thing that would hold him back? We don't know who he is. Well, he's Najee. He's not Najee. That's one thing we know for yeah, sure. Uh, but he's never played at the NFL level. We don't know. Like we assume he's very, very good, but we assumed Clyde Edwards-Alaire going in the first round meant that he was very good last year and that he was going to be a really good fantasy option. Pittsburgh has been a very good offense for running backs in the past, but this is a very different offense than it was at the peak of Le'Veon Bell's uh, success. That's all of the talk coming out of Pittsburgh camp is how different this offense is. You know, well, yeah. And so you're you're not going to have probably the same passing game role for Najee Harris that you did with Le'Veon Bell. And I think that goes without saying. I don't know if anybody's expecting him to be a 100-catch guy, but... I have real concerns about this offense. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be playing under center like significant snaps for the first time in a decade, probably. Uh, they're going, they are asking him to like move around in the pocket more. I just, I feel like this offense with the offensive line issues with Ben Roethlisberger being 39 years old, playing a new offense for the first time in a long time. I think this offense could just be outright bad. Yeah. The what do you think, other Heath? thing I'll add, and it is going to be a different offense, so this might not matter at all. But last year it was a different offense for running backs. Yeah. The Steelers running back target rate last year, 12.3% of their passes went to running backs. That was the lowest mark in the league, even below the Titans. Hmm. Wow. So okay. Uh, and, and that was because a lot of targets that running backs get come when the quarterback's dropping back, sitting in the pocket, waiting for plays to develop. They don't develop, and he just jumps it off to the running back. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't giving plays time to develop last season because he was using Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster 
as basically extensions of the running game. There were there weren't many opportunities for him to dump the ball off. Okay, so rank Gibson, Mixon, Harris. Mixon is uh my number six running back in PPR. So him for sure. And then I have Harris ahead of Gibson. Yeah, I've got Mixon, then Harris. I've got Mixon at eight, Harris at 14, Gibson at 16. Mixon eight. Okay. All right. Good, good stuff. We'll take a quick break here on Fantasy Football today. When we come back, your emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Let's take a little journey over to the inbox because I did not put any emails in the show notes. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. We're just going to pick them at random. Ready? Here we go. I love it when we do this. It always results in such great emails. Mark says, Dear Noah, Lawrence, Story, and Hoffman. Trevors. Uh, I always start off slow in my 12-team half PPR league every year, and I want to avoid that. Yeah, let's avoid that. I have the seventh pick. I want to go running back, wide receiver with my first two picks, but the running backs available to me in round one all seem to have a tough schedule to start the season. Can you tell me a running back that I should target, or should I pivot to Kelsey, Hill, or Adams instead and hope for Eckler, Mixon, CEH, or Najee in round two? I don't have an answer to the original question, but don't let early season schedule impact your first round pick. Yeah. For sure. Um, if, a, if a player in the first round is being impacted by an early season schedule, you probably made the wrong pick anyway. And I can tell you some, like I would not, if my, and I don't think it's the bad idea at all to have your goal to be just get off to a fast start and we'll figure the rest out later. There's so much turnover in fantasy rosters as it is. Mm-hmm. That kind of makes a little bit of sense. Um, I would be avoiding Saquon in that scenario. I'd be less interested in drafting Jonathan Taylor in that scenario, I'd be less interested in drafting rookies um, if I wanted to avoid a slow start. I I would probably be looking to start with Kelsey or Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill personally. I mean, honestly, you could make a case that if you really just want to focus on getting a bit off to a fast start and worry about everything else later, zero RB is a really good way to do that because you can stack your your tight end, running back, or wide receiver and quarterback positions and get Raheem Mostert and Melvin Gordon in the sixth and eighth round. And at least like those guys are going to be starters early on in the season. You might not have a starter between the two of them by week six, but at the very least, like you know those guys are going to be there early on. All right, next question is from Cameron. 
from a city in Utah with the same name as a Washington football team player. I like that. That's fun. <laughs> uh, I stayed in St. George, Utah, I believe. That's probably not it. No. Hmm. Is okay. there a player on Washington's team named Provo? <laughs> Fitz, he is from Fitzpatrick, Utah. He oh, says, okay. 12, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 12 team PPR league, IDP league. We start one defensive lineman, one linebacker, one defensive back, and one IDP. When do you start drafting IDPs in a league like this? One of each and one flex, basically? Yeah, four defensive players, yeah. Probably not before round eight. Yeah. Okay. And subject line of that was Daniel Jones greater than Kyler Murray. So it could be West Jordan. Is there a Sandy on the team? Maybe he got confused and was refer- referring to Baltimore Ravens great Jonathan Ogden. There's not a Gibson, Utah? Um, there's a Logan. Logan Thomas. He's from Logan. Okay. All right. Uh, so from Travis DeStart. I know you're really high on Kelsey this year, but it seems like it's mainly in a PPR league. In a 10-team standard scoring league with the ninth pick, would you go with Kelsey or a running back? Ninth pick, not Kelsey. Ninth pick. I think Kelsey's still in play there. I'm not, like... Let me see my my non-PPR rankings. Yeah, I guess you'd probably want... Like I've I've got a top nine that sort of peters off after Joe Mixon in non PPR, and so I guess you can make a case that like if Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb uh, are there, Ezekiel Elliott, then maybe you just go with one of them. That's probably the right play. My top seven are running backs, assuming those seven were the first seven picks, which seems unlikely because Taylor and Barkley aren't in that group. Um, I would take Tyreek Hill, and if he wasn't there, then I'd take Kelsey. Okay, Paul wants to know if he should, Paul from Sarasota, if he should take Cortland Sutton or Jamar Chase. Chase for me. I think the um, the podcast, Cortland Sutton has uh, fallen out of favor with the podcast. I both Dave and Jamie told me uh, when we were off air today that they were getting ready to move Judy ahead of Sutton. Get the hell out of here! Yeah, I'm, look, I love Judy and I'm thrilled to get him on my teams, but I still, I do still have Sutton ranked quite a bit higher. I still, ha- I'm in the middle of the group. I have Sutton higher than Judy, but neither of them are my top thirty, and it's not that far apart. Um, like the biggest thing is that Sutton's not like he was not on the pup, but his coach has talked about how he's not all the way back yet, and there yeah. has been some videos of him running routes where he doesn't look like an NFL athlete. And Judy might all just right. be a lot better than him. That's fair. Ju- yeah, oh, Judy's right. might be one a top five route runner in the NFL. And this is not though. This is not like putting Lamb ahead of Cooper. But no, I get it. If it's a health thing, if it's an injury thing, I, I yeah. all right, all right, all right. I get it. I get it. Um, one of my bold predictions for this year is definitely going to be that Jerry Judy is a top twelve wide receiver next year, though. I'm just. I, I already know. Well, that's, that's going to have, not, might have, to have prediction. Aaron Rodgers oh. by then. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, last email is from Dakota. From the Music City. I have the fifth pick in a half PPR league. Now that Aaron Rodgers is back, 
Why shouldn't I take Devontae Adams fifth overall? Because catches only count for half a point, not a full point. In a full PPR, you can definitely take Devontae Adams first overall. Fifth, fifth overall. Fifth overall, sorry. Okay, let me just see last year how many points Adams scored in half PPR. We'll do a little exercise right now to finish the show. I will guarantee you he scored more than the fifth running back. He scored 303, which would have made yeah, it. Uh, 21.6 per game. That's better than all but three running backs. Okay, yeah, I was getting to that. He scored 303 points. That was better than all but three running backs. And not only that, he scored 303. RB4 scored 238 points. So he slaughtered RB4. But he's going to have to have that huge season again to uh, justify a top five pick probably. So you could take him, I guess, but... Kelsey or Adams, half PPR? Adams. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Great call. Thanks to Heath and Chris. Thanks to all of you for listening and for emailing at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Tomorrow, we tackle value-based drafting and look at some NFL props and futures as well as RJ White will join the show. Keep sending in your emails, and we've got a quarterback preview on Thursday and a tight end preview on Friday. Oh, my goodness. It is starting. All right, we will talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.